0: Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Ross Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. We're real excited to be entering our second season of the Fueling the Revenue Engine podcast. As we enter this season, we're gonna to continue to look at the future of the enablement profession and connect with other go-to-market leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics, providing insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community. We hope you get a lot of value out of this. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, everybody. Today, we welcome our guest, Stephen Hallowell. He's the VP of Strategic Services at Highspot. A little bit more about Steve. Before Highspot, he was the, he led sales enablement strategy and operations at teams like Snowflake, Mulesoft, Salesforce, and... Responses. So he has a tremendous amount of experience in the space. He's really focused on helping revenue organizations re- reach their full performance potential, which is essentially what enablement is exists to do. So I think we're talking to the right person here. He has a particular experience in really helping sales teams transform themselves to meet the demands of the hyper growth. And what I really want to hear a little bit more about as we get into this conversation is the work that Steve does at Highspot and what his team does, because to me it's incredibly impressive and important. Uh, At Highspot, he works really closely with the Highspot customers to help the teams use enablement as a strategic growth engine, and that just gets me real excited that there's a team that exists to do that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. He's also very active in the broader enablement community as a speaker, advocate, and mentor. So I'm really excited, really, to get a chance to speak with Steve about this moment that enablement is having right now, and we're all familiar with it. We, We think about it a lot. And obviously, there's been some changes to the short, medium, and long term for the go to market teams. And we'll get to talk about that and what the impact will be and what some of the things that we should be looking out for and be mindful of as we go through this moment in evolution as go to market teams, as tech companies, as sales leaders, and of course, as enablement professionals. So, welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to have this conversation. How are you uh, and how's everything been for you up in Seattle?
1: Hey, thank you, Ross. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, it's always fun to talk with you. I moved up here to Seattle from the area about a year ago. It's been a, been a wonderful place to be and explore. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When everybody else, left, well, I know it wasn't because of COVID. It was pre-COVID decision to go, but there was a lot of migration going on right there. So how's it been up there for the, in the past year? A lot of or are weird. you just really finding out as the world opens up again? Well,
1: you know, it's funny. We just, we have we have three young kids and uh, we've been mostly focused in a pretty short radius uh, around home and plus the adventures we can get out to do with them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for uh, for raising three young kids, we were in San Francisco like you were before with no outdoor space and the fact that we've got some room for that's awesome. Is a Nice thing.
0: Yeah. And it's gonna be nice now that, you know, you can get out a little bit more. You're almost like an explore. You're, you settled in a little bit, but really could explore. And I'm real excited for today's conversation. I've really been looking forward to it. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations with people in the enablement community around this topic. So I'm really excited to get your, your uh, um, insight and expertise on this. And I really want to start with your role at Highspot. It's, to me, it's a very unique role. And I'm impressed to see that a sales enablement platform community company built this in to the function. And it's a tremendous asset to the sales enablement community. And Highspot does a tremendous amount for the sales enablement community in general, but I really want to hear a little bit more about your role, about the team and the charter, and maybe even some examples of what it looks like and how you help the enablement community be, or the enablement function, be a part of that strategic growth engine, because I think that's really where we win or lose this game and where we can really have an impact. So uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and what you guys are working on.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm really excited about it. It's a, it's a really interesting opportunity for me personally, and I think certainly for, for the industry. Um, you know, we've got folks at HighSpot who are great at helping you learn how to use the product, for example. Think about what we do as a layer that sits on top of that. It's really how do we help our customers achieve their business outcomes? And, you know, I don't know about you, Roz, but certainly as I have grown up in this function, I didn't have a ton of models to turn mm. to in terms mm-hmm. of, what does great look like? How do I solve some of the challenges that I needed to solve? You know, I, I certainly went through a lot of making up as I go and, you know, talking to people and sort of trying to, you know, piece different bits and pieces together. But, you know, you think about it in the in the sales world, we have sales methodologies that that show, you know, you know, established repeatable approaches for how to sell. We have, you know, messaging frameworks, you know, in the marketing world. Enablement hasn't had sort of a, an enablement framework. and. That's one of the things that we're developing. And then, of course, we, we help our customers implement that. So to give you a couple of examples of what that might be in practice, um, you know, this can be something that's pretty simple. One of the things we do in our platform is help folks uh, build sales plays. And so I do a lot of work helping people design those sales mm. plays. How do you make sure those things can be, will drive the impact you want, they're digestible, they're effective. And a lot of that is about bringing together, as, you know, enablement so often mm. is, it's how do we get marketing and sales leadership and enablement all on the same page, you know, pulling in the same direction. It could also be things like designing an onboarding program. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, you know, geez, pre COVID, we had everybody down in Texas for, for three weeks. And it was the, you know, the full kind of, bootcamp Remember that? you know, once, once upon a time and okay, yeah. COVID hit. And now we took everybody into zoom and made them watch a bunch of videos and, you know, it sort of got them through COVID, but it's not exactly an ideal experience. Yeah. And so, you know, the question was, okay, well, what does good look like now? How do we, how do we use the tools available to us to actually build an experience that is effective, and you know, accomplishes the goal that's so important for so many people? We got to get people to ramp, you know, uh, you know, rapidly. And so, you know, that's that's another place we'll work with customers. We can also kind of take a take a step back, and I had a really interesting conversation just the other day with a company. Uh, We were talking with their head of enablement, head of marketing and head of sales. And they said, you know, look, we've been trying for a long time to sell solutions more than just products.
0: Mm.
1: But we've been struggling to make that transition. You know, we're still mostly selling products. What do we need to do to be able to sell solutions effectively? Mm. You know, to be clear, you know, we're not going to have all the elements of that solution. But my team and I have seen enough, seen this movie enough times Um, that we have been able to start to to sort of standardize on what are the things you need to get right? And again, we may help point you to to the right partners for some of those pieces, but at least we have a sense of the the key pieces that you need to get in place. And I think also a a pretty approachable way to, how do I get going tomorrow? Start to move the needle a little bit, but make concrete progress towards this goal of, of ultimately transforming how my sales team operates.
0: Yeah, I love that. You said something that really hit a nerve with me is that um people needing best practices or somebody else even even someone to brainstorm with or whatever other people like you like like us doing and what are you seeing and you know the and you mentioned how you know when we all started out we were figuring it out and I think that, that that's so true. Um, we've, we've been through a tremendous evolution. We're going through an even more evolution and we'll talk about that now. But you know sales enablement is a newer function. and people and as technology becomes more readily available or more sophisticated, Even when I think about like even Highspot a few years ago and Highspot today, it's a tremendously different solution and how I leverage it as a sales enablement leader. And I love that you're bringing in marketing and you're bringing in sales leadership because really we are that bridge. We are that liaison. Um, And very often sales enablement people are the only sales enablement person in the entire building. And who do I talk to? Who do I get advice from? And the sales leader doesn't know how to do enablement. They never did it. And very often we are reporting into functions, whether it's sales, whether it's operations, whether it's product marketing, that have never done our job. And we're very often the only ones in the room who know anything. I remember when I was back at Optimizely and I had this aha moment of, you are the only person in this building that knows anything about enabling it, full stop. And that's tremendously <laughs> overwhelming, right? And where do you go? And then these all these technologies are coming on the market, but if you don't use them effectively, to drive that, uh, the revenue or to remove roadblocks for for your sales organization, you go to market organization, it's technology, right? And, And it ends up being shelfware or what have you. And so the fact that, that there is a resource for people to go to and say, okay, I have this technology, but now what do I really do with it to move the needle? And as things continue to shift, it becomes so important. So I love that you're, that this exists and, and people, and I know yourself and other members of your team, just a wealth of information. And yeah, there is some of it of we're figuring it out, but we also learn from what worked, what didn't work. And then also how do you stay on top of some of the changes? So I love, love, love that it exists. And I think it's a function. I think about this a lot, you know, AEs or other AEs in the room, SDRs or other SDRs in the room, product marketing, the other product marketing in the room. And usually your boss has done your job with enablement. That's not necessarily the case. So it's a tremendous service, so thank you for, on behalf of the entire enablement community, uh, for doing that. And I think it, it it really fits into the conversation that we're going to have today is talk about this continued evolution. Because if I think about enablement two years ago, or even enablement a year ago, as you mentioned with that with that onboarding program that we all put together for co- to get through COVID, it doesn't work anymore today. In as we go into 2022, and and it's going to continue to evolve. And we don't really know what really what the world is going to continue to look at. So I think that it's no secret, obviously, that we've had a significant, that this pandemic has had a significant impact on our lives in general, but specifically in enablement. And we're seeing a really, really big shift. And what I'm seeing is is an acceleration that is unprecedented. And I've been in this field for a very, very long time, more years than I want to admit. Um, And in all the time, I've seen this evolution, as you mentioned earlier. But at this rate, I haven't seen this kind of demand. And I see companies... Uh, not only is there evolution in the space, but there's a demand in the space and I think a recognition of what enablement can do for, like, what you have noticed the whole time that we could be more strategic. I think we went from, and this is very exciting, that we went from being the, you know, put a bandaid on something or fix, you know, a broken, uh, something that's broken to, you are the strategy, right? And you're our most strategic partners. But it's also this tremendous evolution that we're having. So, and it's faster, and I see companies who probably would have not brought an enablement for another few years introducing enablement much, much earlier. I think companies that did have enablement are growing that growing them so much faster. So obviously it's very, very clear to me there's a tremendous there's a shift going on here. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. what How do you explain this phenomena? What do you think is happening, and what do you think are some of the most important things that we should keep in mind through all this?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question, and it's certainly an exciting time. And you know, I see it tied to the evolution of the sales function in so many ways. Mm. You know, I think there's there's not a single company I talked to today that isn't trying to sell value more clearly. Isn't trying to sell solutions more effectively. You know, it's funny. I had a call uh, a couple months ago with a telecoms uh, company, and this is mm. you know, these are folks who will you know sell you an internet plan. Yeah, and that's what they were trying to do. They're trying to get their their reps to do more effective discovery about business pains, uh, you know, in their calls. And, um, you know, so anybody on any end of the spectrum today, I think, in the B2B world is trying to up level the effectiveness of their teams. Um, you know, I think the things that, you know, you look at the some of the insight that CB and the Challenger folks brought us, you know, over a dozen years ago mm. about, you know, the importance of that sales experience and driving differentiation. You know, I think that's something that is is on everybody's mind today. It's not, you know, I think there once, once upon a time that was sort of somewhat unique to take that perspective. And I think that was sort of groundbreaking research when they came out with it. I think everybody's trying to do that in one form or another. And, you know, people have different words, they attach to it. They'll use, you know, different folks to help them get there. But I think the vision is the same. And that vision demands a lot from the sales team. It demands a lot from everybody who supports it, but people see the very clear business value that when you get this right and you can serve your customers more effectively, um, that it's, it's absolutely worth it. So then the question for companies is how do I get there? Mm. How do I get there? It looks a lot like an enablement.
0: And how do you think enablement impacts that? You know,
1: I think the, um, the in terms of how enablement supports that, I think anybody who takes a serious look at trying to up level their team quickly realizes there's no way they can do it by themselves. Mm. Uh, It just simply won't happen. Um, And, you know, and folks who start off doing that say, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll just have a sales manager go go try to lead that, or we'll have a junior person that does a little bit of supporting work. Um, You don't get results that way. And enough, enough people now have been through this enough times. I think people made those mistakes 10 years ago, even five years ago. A lot fewer people are making those mistakes today because they see that you need real focus and real sophistication around this notion of how do I drive change. Yeah. And that's one of the things when we talk about, you know, the you know, the people in enablement that are, you know, really kind of the very best in their company doing something. I think one of the, the things at the heart of that is how do I drive change and how do I do that effectively? And that shows up often as how do people learn, how do I communicate effectively? How do I chunk information out in bite-sized ways? But it's also, am I clear about where, I am, where I'm going? Am I, do, do I understand well enough where my sellers are getting stuck in terms of what mm. they need to get there? And, you know, that empathy for the sellers, the awareness of what the folks in the front line are dealing with, the awareness of the vision of where we want to go, and an understanding of the tools required to help move somebody down the path. I think are all part of the very unique skill set that enable
0: professionals. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree with you. I think, I think we are the, the one piece of this puzzle that's, that's actually thinking about the frontline salespeople and the day to day and the impact of what they're dealing with. In addition to all the other things to selling the value and to selling more solutions or, or, you know, selling the product, but what is the reality of the people as they're going out to the floor? And I think we have, a very i always think it's a very privileged space to be right because we we exist only to make them more productive and and yet, and and we are almost their layer of protection, if you will. And 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 I find that they'll they'll tell us things that they won't tell anybody else, which also gives us the responsibility to then go and share it with the rest of the organization, while also maintaining that confidence, right? If you hear it enough from enough people, um, and you know, with a bunch of with everybody working remotely still, or many companies working remotely, or the world, you know, moving as quickly as it is, that keeping the pulse on that is an incredibly important thing that enablement has to say, because what we might've done to help somebody six to eight, 12 to 18 months ago might not be the same. And as you talk about the, you know, having being this liaison with sales leadership and with marketing um, what are your thoughts on, so we see it and we understand the change, but the sales leader has always done it this way, or he came up or she came up in a time and this was done that way. And yet it is different and it is evolving. And we do have that pulse. How do you, how do you as an enablement professional, what are your thoughts are from where you sit of, how do you bring along some of those other people that might not understand, you know, they, it, it, this is, a, I'll, I'll use an example. You know, it's, 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 as we're, as we're having this conversation, it's the end of we're in Q4. Um, most, most enabling teams are working on thinking about SKO for the next fiscal year. And there's a lot of conversation. Are we doing it virtual? Are we doing it live? And having conversation with sales leaders where they don't understand why you can't do what you would have done in person over zoom. And it doesn't translate the same way. And we're like, it just doesn't work that way. You can't have somebody on a line on a, on a, a video call from nine to five. It just doesn't work. And part of you know SKO is to have people tap to together. So how do you bring some of those people along when you're seeing this evolution and you're being you're a big part of this, but you're working with key stakeholders that might not be coming along as fast as you or not have the pulse that they that we have. Yeah.
1: That's a great question. And you know, I think there's a few pieces that come to mind for me. One is you got to start with a strong relationship and a run mm. relationship built on on two way trust. And, you know, as we all know, that's something that's earned over time through yeah. time in the trenches working together. And, you know, uh, you know, and, and listen, you know, sometimes you can do all the right things and still not get there. Um, mm-hmm. I think the good news is that there are, I think is, I think if you think about, you know, bucket the world in very coarse terms and sort of new school sales leaders and old school yeah. sales leaders, yeah. I think the, the number of new school are are starting to uh, to outmatch the, the number of older school. And so, you know, at some level, I think if you're an enabling professional working for somebody that just, despite your best efforts, doesn't want to hear what you have to say, you know, you might want to think about about finding another another company at that point. Um, because there are people out there that, you know, as long as you're doing your part of the job right, which of course is critical, of you're being thoughtful in terms of how you bring perspectives, um, you're listening, you're seeking to understand their perspective and what's important before you know driving your own. All the, all the good things that, that we all practice. Um, there are enough forward-looking sales leaders out there that are hungry to hire, you know, highly capable and enabling professionals that I'd make sure you have that chemistry right. Mm. But, um, you know, if you have that foundation trust, how you do it is important. So as I said, listening, you know, hey, well, what, you know, why do you think it's so important to go all day? You know, have mm. you, what are you trying to achieve? Here's some other ways maybe we can achieve that goal. And so getting that communication right And then lastly, you know, this is a place that whether it's using, you know, outside resources, like, you know, what my team does or just having somebody who is not in the political structure Mm, of your organization, mm -hmm. that's, you know, doesn't have a horse in the race, they can say, hey, here's what we see other people doing or connecting them with other peers in the industry that may uh, share some of those perspectives. And again, the good news is I think there are many more of those people out there that you can connect folks to than than there were, you know, five ten years
0: ago. Yeah, I agree, and I very much agree with you that I there is there has been a, sh- a shift in the way sales leadership, or I should say, even go to market leadership. How they see enablement, right? And and I I do think that they're coming along, and that they know that the world has shifted, and enable late enablement is a strategic partner there. So I very much agree with you uh, on that, and that's that's been a tremendous. I think that's a testament to the the hard work that the enablement community has done to to get there, and yet we still have some more that more work that we need to do, um, and and then. And then I think it's also even a gut check, right? Am I getting this right, right? Especially if if you're, uh, you know, you're in the day to day. So I love your point of, you know, bringing in someone like your team or some other outside consultant who can see the forest from the trees because they're not in the, you know, in the forest with you. But on that note, I'd love to like even get your thoughts on one of the things that the conversations that I've been having a lot with the enablement community over the past few months is yes, we're going through this tremendous evolution and we have to do things differently. We've been forced to, and we also have to continue to do things differently. And technology is evolving so we can do things differently. So we had a playbook. We kind of got comfortable with that playbook. We knew it worked and what didn't work. And now the playbook kind of shifted on us. And we don't want to lose this moment, but also how do you kind of balance the being you know innovative and taking some risks will also like making sure you get it right right and and making sure that we move this forward uh in in an effective way without you know without too many uh, casualties on the other end but it's also hard to know when you're in this new space like what you know are we in the right direction so i'd love to get your sense on You know, what is I think there's a big push and pull between I don't want to be too too much of a risk taker, but I also don't want to lose this moment. So what are some of your thoughts on how we straddle that balance and how we look at, like, what are some of the proof points, for example, if we're doing things differently and heading in the right direction? Or if, no, you know, you're killing a thing that was working. Right. And don't don't recreate the whale or throw out the baby with the bathwater or whatever analogy we want to use here.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a great question. And I, I'm i I'm, I'm sure if you ask some of my former team members, I've been guilty in the past of having, you know, the thing that worked real well and I was real proud yeah. of. And they're kind of saying, yeah, hey, we, we probably should have that. And I was maybe holding on to it a little too tightly. And uh, yeah. so, you know, I've, I've been there. Um, you know, I think it starts with understanding your purpose and what mm. you're trying to solve for and you know, then within that purpose, saying, "Am I achieving my goal now, or do I have you know room to to achieve that goal more effectively?" And so, one way that I like to like, like to break the world down a bit in terms of how we drive behavior change in the company is, you know, the first question is is equipping. Are you equipping your team with what they need to be successful? And that's partly about giving them the right resources and tools but it's partly about have you written down what you want them to do in a really clear way. Mm. And if you think about that, you know, in the old world, you know, define what old world is, but something <laughs> older than now, you know, might've been, might been literally a, a binder full of stuff or, Maybe it was this long Google document that nobody would read. And I remember, you know, a former boss might say, said, hey, Steve, we got to write down the playbook and put it into this document. Like, yeah, nobody's going to read that thing. And, yeah, you know, and and he was right that we needed to write it down. And I was also right that nobody was going to read it. And so it was an yeah. interesting, you know, situation. And yet the value of, you know, how in the world are we going to get a group of people to do something new if we never clarify clearly, mm-hmm. you know, what, what good looks like? Mm -hmm. So this is where technology can play a role where, you know, and and new ways of doing things can play a role where instead of capturing every operational thing somebody's going to go do, we focus in on how does somebody have the right conversation and how do I capture just what they need to understand what that looks like. And I can layer in things like call recordings. You know, Mm -hmm. I can I can layer in some just in time skills training for how to have that conversation effectively. And I have a nice little package that you know at Highspot we call this a sales play that is not a full playbook. It's just a nice consumable sales play on something that's really relevant to somebody, so that they can easily access what good looks like. And you know, so that that's that's one sort of simple example. Or you know, something else would be um, I want to make sure once my team knows what good looks like, they've got to practice and build confidence. Well, you know, practicing doesn't have to be face-to-face anymore. It often can't Mm -hmm. be face-to-face. How do I use technology to scale that and make sure I can also drive accountability for who's doing it? Um, You know, in an old world, we never would have, um, you know, very hard to have accountability for that. And it often didn't happen as much as we wanted to. When we can start to measure and track these things, we can make sure that people actually do the practice they need to and, and therefore build the confidence to be successful. And so, you know, I think, again, for any of these, it's saying, what, do I, what am I trying to get done? And then what are the sets of tools available to me now to go do it? Um, and, you know, I think the wonderful thing about the pandemic is that it's helped us relax some of our assumptions where, yeah. you know, so often training had to be in person. When it was in person, you had to make the most of the time you had. It was okay. People are flying in from wherever. I've got two days. Go. How much can I fit into there? And yet, we all know that's a terrible way to learn. It's just not yeah. the way people process information.
0: And they our menu remembering, remembering 10% of what they heard, if.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we all know it. We've all run those trainings. Um, we didn't have a choice. You know, sometime in the past, that was all we could do. There was no better way to do it. Today, we do have a choice of using what I might call digitally enabled learning to spread some of that stuff out and make sure that when we do get to the other in person, we're getting the most value from that time. But then we give people a lot of soap time to learn things beforehand, and mm. we give them a real structured practice afterwards to get them to go apply what we're doing.
0: Yeah. So I think what I, hear, what I hear you saying is it's almost like marry the old with the new. It, 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 you know, when you, you talked about that binder, like I remember that binder. I was handed that binder at one point and said, here, read this and then go sell, right? um but so it's not that that it was what was in the binder wasn't necessarily what needed to be documented it was how it could really can this be consumed and how do we make it just in time right and and now i mean one of the i think the biggest game changers with enablement has been call intelligence right being able to not you know we all do those role plays and role plays are what i wish happened or what i think happened, whereas with call intelligence we know what happened right and being able to then leverage it as a in a just-in-time moment, as a call is coming up or as a play is coming up, so I think I think what I hear you say is to to make sure that we get this this moment right is go back to what are you trying to accomplish? How what is the best way in the modern era to accomplish it? And what are the signs? What are the data points that I can look at? What are the signs from the organization, feedback from the sales leadership, and even in the different technologies that we have? And I think what we're also talking about is being a little bit more agile about it, right? Of of being able to fine tune, I think that's been some, a big shift that I've had to go through, Being having been doing enablement for such a long time and from coming from the world where you didn't put anything out until it was perfect, to know that, no, you put out good enough, and that doesn't mean garbage, but then you also look for signals, you know, and the fact that we can now offer a, a broader, stru- a broader uh, offering with more technology, we can then say the sales team we're seeing that you need a little bit more help in this specific area, or, you know, we were going in this direction, but we're going to shift a little bit. Right. And so I think that that could help us, you know, that we get it right. So have the confidence that there were certain core things that we're doing that we shouldn't, we shouldn't change, but maybe it's how we get it there. Right. And it's, 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 or how we, how and when we deliver it or shift it. So I think that's a, that's a really important thing to think about. And, how do I make the most of, and even with the, you know, with the stakeholders as well, being able to give feedback to product marketing on what's working and what's not working or because they, because we are this liaison and we aren't all alone. Um, yeah. Right. I think those are, I think that, that, that bringing back in that binder really just made that real for me. Cause I, I, I tried to like block that binder out of my head cause nobody ever read it. Right. But it wasn't what was in the binder that was bad. It was how it was delivered. Right. You know, yeah. That
1: and it's interesting, you know, you think back, you know, geez, I remember, you know, one of my, you know, my first enabling job and almost all the training we did, it was at sales Kickoff. Yep. Yeah That's the ultimate sort of batch process event. It's the ultimate non-agile event where it was your one yeah. shot, maybe you had two of them in a year, depending on the situation. Yep. A huge amount of work to lead up to it, big delivery, then you're done. But that was, that was the, as, as opposite from agile as you can be. Yeah. And as we can now, you know, drip things out to our teams, nice bite-sized things they consume, can consume things they can grab just in the flow of their work, it does enable us to be much more agile. And yeah. uh, so you're, you're, you're absolutely right that our development processes is both how we deliver that becomes more agile and then how we how we develop and how we you know, kind of feed that also evolves to support that, that new way of doing things.
0: Yeah, I love that you bring up the SKO because I was actually just having a conversation with a client Uh, Last week, and we are taking a different approach to SKO this year where we are only rolling out a certain part of this is, you know, an adjustment to a sales process, which is very, very typical to roll out at a sales kickoff or a sales methodology. And we're purposely only doing a a very, very, um, uh, I don't want to say surface, but uh, introductory um, uh, introduction to it at kickoff with the commitment to the team that this is something we're going to continue throughout the year, because I think we learned that lesson. So it's really interesting that, that, that you bring that up because yeah, I think we're changing our approach even to SKO and, and I want to be the first to say, I'm looking forward to in-person SKOs this year. I think if you could pull it off, the team needs it. I think, I think, I think that's a, that's a really good, um, a really good uh, point there. So I, I think taking it to the next level of, you know, we talked about the tremendous demand on, on enablement professionals. There are way more companies looking for enablement people than there are good enable or enough good enablement people or experienced enablement people, which is a great problem to have. And I have a lot of revenue leaders, you know, reaching out saying like, what should I be thinking about as I hire enabling people or, or how can I even attract good talent? Right. Because right now it's enablement professionals market. Um, and, you know, so I'm really curious on your thoughts on this because you're so connected to the to to these kind of things, and you talk to so many people. What should revenue enable revenue leaders be thinking about? Because they are such a key piece of this puzzle, and how could they maybe even find and help develop new enablement talent? Because I think we're going to have we not we're going to have to do it. we have to do that right now.
1: Yeah, those are all all great questions, and um, you know maybe starting with the how do I attract great talent? I think it comes back to the conversation we were having earlier where. The best people are going to want to work for you if you're a sales leader, if you're really looking for a true partnership with that person, where you understand and respect what they're going to bring to the table, they understand and respect what you bring to the table, and you know how you're going to go work together. You know, by contrast, I'm sure we've all seen the situation where it's sort of, you know, hey, enablement, go go fulfill the set of you know asks that I give you. And it you know becomes a very tactical kind of fulfillment situation you know, that's, that's just not going to be a very attractive place to, uh, for most, most talented enablement leaders. Um, you know, it's, it really needs to be this, how am I driving change? Is there change to drive? What are the, what are the, what are the outcomes that this role is going to fulfill? Yeah. Um, I think the most interesting ones are going to go beyond onboarding, you know, Hey, we, you know, yes, we need good onboarding and that's not trivial to build. Um, but, you know, are you trying to change and evolve your your team? And I think that the best teams are trying to change, change and evolve, but there should be a very clear mandate that's identified that that enablement leader will will help own and champion. Go ahead, do you want to add something to that? No,
0: I was going to say, were there any, any any thoughts that you would have of something that an enablement person could ask this revenue leader to kind of get a sense if that's where they are? Because I think the enablement leaders, I'm sorry, the revenue leaders want to get there, but again, it's new for them too, just like it's evolving for us, it's evolving for them.
1: Well, I think it's the classic, you know, why now? Why is this important? How mm. how are you going to measure success? Yeah. Um, why, why are you deciding to hire this role today? What are some of your objectives and initiatives? And you know, if, if you get a sales leader that just says, "Hey, I just need to hit the number," um, mm. there's probably that's probably not enough there. Versus somebody who says, "You know, look, we we need to sell value more effectively. We are on mm-hmm. mission to." Mm-hmm. Significantly increase our deal sizes, increase our win rates. Um, this is how we we know that what got us to where we are today isn't going to get us to where we are tomorrow. Those are the types of conversations that certainly have attracted me to uh, you know to, to other jobs. Um, you know, I remember when I when I joined was interviewing to join Snowflake, for example. I was actually a little bit hesitant to take that role because um, I was like, "Man, this company it's already on fire." what do they need me for? You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing a lot of stuff really well. And, you know, had some great conversation with the sales leader about just it. like, yeah, we're, we're doing well, but we're not selling value the way we need to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we, we know that for us to continue driving the level of success that we have been, we need to be selling value more effectively. Yeah, we yeah. Speed the feeds and speed level. And he had real conviction around that. And that was one of the key pieces that told me, hey, this is going to be a good move.
0: Yeah, I love that example. And I think that a lot of tech companies, with everything that happened during the pandemic, the tech world kept the world moving, right? And so, that we're, and this is not true for everybody, but what that also meant was sales was easier for a lot of... You either had sales was very, very easy or sales was almost impossible, right? Too easy or or impossible. And for those that are too easy they're having to come back, right? They got used to that and and the sales team got used to taking orders, quote unquote, and now you have to sell value again, right? And, and A, to keep the people that, that you sold to that might not have purchased from you otherwise and are now rethinking it or to, to continue up that momentum. And so, yeah, even sales organizations are shifting. and I, and I'm curious if you see in in your role at HighSpot, where you talk to the revenue leaders together with the enablement and 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 the the product marketing teams, if you're seeing a shift in the way the revenue leader is thinking or or what the revenue leader is asking and or how that's kind of playing out.
1: Well I think you know I'll come back to this theme that you know, you're exactly right. you know I've spoken to leaders at a number of the companies that have been sort of poster children for pandemic fueled success. And they're all saying, you know, man, I was, you know, was, you know, riding this wonderful rising tide, yeah. And you know, at some point, I can't keep doing that, and I need yeah. to really develop um, much more discipline, focus, and capability within my team. And so that's that's very front of mind for you know many of these revenue leaders. Um, and I, again, I see that with everybody I've talked to. That it's there. Mm-hmm. There is no company. I've I, I don't think I've talked to a single company that says. You know what? We're just transactional, high volume sale. We just need to turn the crank faster, and everything's gonna be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody wants to bring skill and capability to their team. Sometimes it's about, hey, we're you know we're hiring junior folks. You know, especially with this sort of uh, you know shift from, boy, not everybody has to be outside. How do we build greater inside capacity, and the lines between inside and outside selling blurring a real desire to start to uplevel more junior sales team members, um, more, more quickly. How do we get people to rise through the ranks and have mm. no less experienced people doing, you know, it might've been the job of, of a, a much more expensive, more talented resource in the past. Um, and so, you know, all those things are, I think are driving just a real hunger for my team's got to get better and it's got to get more capable and, and more, more consistent and executing this, um, that's the last key piece here. Is as, as I as um, I think I said at the beginning here that one of the things I see a lot of is in companies where you know the classic thing is twenty percent of the reps are doing really well, yeah, eight percent are struggling, and that just doesn't work anymore. You know, it just that's kind of been the the sort of accepted. Well, it's just how it is in sales. Well, it's not how it has to be, and um, you know, like the smart revenue leaders are waking up and saying and realizing that and. Of course, some people are always going to do a bit better than others, but it's not acceptable to have a big chunk of my sales team not performing at a a solid level. Um, Yeah. So people are, they're trying to solve that.
0: Yeah, I I was having a conversation with a revenue leader recently, and he said, I had a really good quarter, but... I survived on three reps doing really really well and everybody else just sucking wind and that's not good enough for me and I and he and he was right right it's not yes he he hit his number but his team didn't hit their number or his people didn't hit their number and 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 it's interesting as you're talking about it um I'm realizing that we have more and more AI coming into play we have more and more technology coming into play which is forcing us to sell more with value right the sales, the sales skill has to improve. So it's not that that um, technology is going to take over sales. Is forcing us to really be scale, skilled salespeople because we don't have to worry about some of the other stuff where we have certain intelligence and data that we didn't have before. And so selling value becomes more important and maybe easier to get to because you don't have to, you know, worry about some of the the, the other table stakes things. And I think also the market demands it right there's there's the more competitive the market comes and and uh the buyers are demanding it so it's an interesting um a uh, place that we are. And I think, too, yeah, realizing that enablement is this piece that can get you there. And I think that that's a newer thing for organizations to realize in the past few years of I needed enablement to put on SKO or to build an onboarding program to know enablement's going to get us to this to this place where we're all successful and we're more strategic, uh, which to me is 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 so exciting, right? Which is where we all want to be. Now that said, yeah, go ahead.
1: There's one, one interesting and really tangible place I'm seeing that show up is um, more and more sales leaders looking at things like a participation rate. So when you mm. told the story about the revenue leader that said, hey, I made my quarter based on the back of three reps. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something I'm seeing Salesforce do. I heard the revenue leader over at SailPoint talk about this. Um, I heard Scott Edinger who's well known in the industry, talk about this where, you know, they're they're holding their managers accountable, not just for hitting your number, but yeah. a fraction of your team is doing well, and yeah. you know, maybe that's defined as eighty percent of quota, seventy percent of quota, something that is, you know, you know, not not fifty percent, not thirty percent of quota. Yeah. Um, but they're in the ballpark of good performance, and really saying, "Hey, managers, you got to get, you know, most of your team needs to be doing well, and if they're not, there's something you're doing wrong as a manager. If you're the manager." Yeah. That has, one out of five hitting because
0: you're always going to have that large salesperson uh, or sales deal, right?
1: Yeah, um, you know, but if your manager is one out of five hitting, then you know, shame on you. And by the way, how do you achieve that at scale? That's through enable. I really think that that's yeah. that's one of the best measures of of the job we do is can we get to consistency across a team where it's not just a few people who are doing well. It's everybody pulling on an oar is, is being affected in terms of
0: what they're doing. Yeah, and also not just doing well with one deal that saved them for the year. I remember I, I'm thinking about a rep that I once worked with that had one deal that killed it and it filled his quota for the year, and he never sold anything again after that, right? So yeah, he got lucky, and I I I think salespeople work so hard. I, I I'm a salesperson myself, and I don't want to say that it you know it, you know it, it was lucky, but it was lucky because it wasn't repeatable, right? And if it's not repeatable, it's it's that you would, that's what you're looking for. Right. And I think and that's where enabling comes in. And so to me, it's so exciting that we're at this moment, right. That we got to this place where we aren't the band aid, we are the fix, we are the, 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 the strategy. Um, and I think we're still getting comfortable in that seat. Right. And I think sales leaders or, or go to market, uh, stakeholders or partners are getting used to us in that seat. Um, so, you know before we wrap up i'd love to hear you like how do you think that we um you know uh, t- take advantage of that moment from that perspective to uh, I, I don't want to uh, you know to increase the the salaries of an ailment people you know i know some people several years ago that were getting paid like entry level employees and, and that's and if you're the strategic partner that's unacceptable right and and um, you know, having that ladder seat at the table so that you are in these discussions for strategy and not just bought in at the end, you know, to, 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 to execute it or to carry it out or to fix some of the problems. So I'm curious what your, what your thoughts on, on that part of this is.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think it, it is about being an effective partner and, you know, I think we, we, we've all seen, you know, you can't, um, you can't, get a seat at the table just by saying, hey, I'm important. Give me a seat. Mm. It's bringing mm-hmm. value. Um, but I think a lot of that value can, it can come from a few places. One is you know, I encourage every enablement leader should really understand the sales performance data in your organization. Mm. Who's succeeding? Why are they succeeding? What are yeah. win rates doing? What are deal sizes doing? And you should be able to identify the problems you want to solve in the data. You know what data tells us. What? What? How quickly are people onboarding today? What? What does that look like across the team? Where are the, the hot spots? You know where, what? are the places in the sales cycle that we think we're going to improve in rates or improve deal sizes? And be able to tell a data driven story about both the opportunity and then eventually the impact. Yeah, it's really hard to sell tell the impact story if you don't start with that. Hey guys, I think we have an, you know, there's there's something that isn't where we want it to be. And um, you know, and 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 hopefully that's just sort of putting some numbers against the intuition that's already existed from the salespeople uh from sales leaders, but you can start to quantify that.
0: And I think I think I want to clarify here that what you mean is, because I think this is something that sales enablement people struggle with a lot is how do I quantify the work we're doing? So you're not necessarily talking about the impact of your onboarding program or scale. And yes, you could get data, but it's lagging indicators, but you mean the business itself, right? The, yeah. Yeah.
1: Starting, yeah. Starting with the business itself and what are the, where, where is, if you're going to tell the story of, hey, we're going to build this enablement function and it's going to impact the business here. How much? What is that place? What are what are those levers yeah. where yeah. that start to show up in the in the performance of the business?
0: Yeah, and and what you're what I think you're saying, or the way I'm interpreting it in my brain. So correct me if I'm wrong. Is speak the language of the revenue leader, right? I, I remember very clearly when I was an early sales rep and going through sales training myself, and and uh, the sales trainer said, um, executives think in in Excel spreadsheets and you're talking PowerPoint, and I was like. Right? Like we're talking two different languages here. You have to talk Excel spreadsheets, you know, if you're going to try to close a deal. And I think it's the same thing here. We have to be, and we have more data now than we ever had. And we have more insights in in the enablement tech stack that exists today that we never had, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. And being able to to use that to have that strategic conversation, you now are a partner. And it's real exciting to see that sales and revenue leaders are seeing that as partners in evidence of bringing enablement on longer growing the enablement team making sure that that there is enough um bandwidth for that but we'll always be a few to many and so therefore i think though the what i hear you saying is is be in tune to the business, be in tune to the number, use the data at your disposal, and then tell that story so that you are their partner. And I think one of the, the key themes from the conversation we had today is that partnership, that partnership with revenue, that partnership with, with, with product marketing, that partnership with sales or the go-to-market organization as well, But and, and using all the resources at your disposal to be able to, to be tell the story and, and ultimately be strategic and, and make your decisions.
1: Yep, and then you know once you once you're armed with that data and you say okay you know here's here's the opportunity and so for instance the opportunity might be um, we have too few uh, opportunities not to use opportunity to many times. Mm-hmm. there are too few opportunities uh, that you know from that get handed to an AE that make it into sort of the middle of the funnel we have too much drop off in those first meetings and boy we think we can help we can help improve that mm-hmm. um, often sales leaders. Aren't really going to know what to do to fix that. They may totally mm. agree. Yep, that's an op- That that is a place that's to a problem. Go to the yeah, business. But in terms, of, okay, well, well, tangibly, what do we go do? Is is often pretty fuzzy. Now, that's mm. one of the real expertise points, I think, of, of a great enablement person. But you can start to break that challenge down and say, well, let's go figure out where is our team struggling today. And what are the specific things we should do to, to help them get better at scale? Mm. And then being willing to come back to the sales leader, for example, and say, hey, I need you to do this. You know, so for example, it might be, um, I need to reinforce the importance with frontline staff that they need to be coaching those first meetings in addition to inspecting the forecast.
0: Mm.
1: Here's how I think you should do it. Put the words in their mouth. I've had yeah, a lot of sales leaders yeah. who said, you know, just tell me what to do. I'll do it, but I'm not quite sure what to do. Just just tell me what to go do. When you get to that point, then you absolutely are a strategic partner helping them go solve something.
0: And to the point where they need you around, right? And they and they need... Yeah, I love that. I love that, that tip. I think that's where you make it from being a training or words on a document or words in a playbook to part of the sales culture, part of the sales language, part of the sales motion. And if you are that 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 voice in the ear saying, ask these questions to get this end result, and 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 here's the the how to the what. So I understand the problem, but I also have a solution to the problem or an experimentation of a solution to the problem, right? Because we are going to experiment on some things, um, and that's okay as long as we know what we're looking for. You then you're you're, you're showing up as that strategic partner, and 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 now you know it's interesting because as you say it, I remember um, in one of my enablement roles uh, uh, several years ago, I was working really hard to build a relationship with my sales leader and he got it, but he didn't get it. you know. And I remember the moment that he got it and we were sitting in a conference room and it just clicked in and he's like, you're my partner. And I'm like, yep, I always have been. And I always will be. And it was just the shift in him realizing, oh, wait, I get what's happening here. And it just changed our entire relationship, right? And and I started being able to make an impact, right? And I think that we have to get there through. And I didn't realize I was doing this in the moment because I didn't even realize I had the problem. And I, I wouldn't have called it a problem. I didn't realize what 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 I should have been doing. I don't think he realized, you know, what I could have been doing for him. But when that clicked, it changed everything. And I think if we could, what I hear you saying is show up that way, right? Walk in, do your due diligence. Understand the, what's keeping these people up at night. What's what because you are the, can make that tremendous impact on the organization, and then come with with at least something to try and something as uh, a solution, and then also use the data for as your guide going forward as part of that partnership. You know, it kind of goes back to the challenger sales model that we started with. I think that is the brilliance of the challenger sales model is. The buyer needed you there because you knew something they didn't know. And that's ultimately what we're doing here is we're kind of being, you know, challenger enablement people, you know, getting the sales leaders to realize or revenue leaders to realize uh, the value that we bring. And then we have the seat at the table, which kind of comes along with all the other things that we're thinking about. So, yeah, really good point. Um, I'm going to think more about that as as we go on. And I think, you know, we can go into a whole nother podcast on how to understand the data and how to use the data. I think that's, that's something that a lot that's on, on the minds of a lot of enablement people as well. But uh, we won't do that today. So, um, I really appreciate this conversation. I, I think that, you know, my biggest takeaways is you know, the reminder of the importance of our partnership, the reminder of the, of the importance of. What worked, but had it, but but modernizing that, right, and using the the resources and the additional data at our disposal to be that strategic player, that strategic partner throughout this evolution, because the evolution is for everybody. But kind of take take the front, the front, the leadership, uh, um, or kind of lead from the front in this. Um, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's still going to continue to evolve and it's exciting, but I think it's positioning anyone in this, in this space, uh, and also positioning the, the revenue leaders as well. And the go-to-market partners as well to, to really make an impact in their organization. So thank you for reminding, um, also all that, uh, before we close, just is a way for people to get, you know, to get to know you a little bit better, we spent a lot of time talking about technology. Uh, what's the first app you open up each morning, um, and why?
1: Interesting question. So, um, I have a, an app called, uh, it's called HRV for training. It's, it measures what's called heart rate variability. Yeah. And, uh, it's very really interesting. It's, it's a, it's a measure of basically how, how stressed you are in simple terms.
0: Oh, I don't want to and know mine. <laughs>
1: What I've found it kind of fascinating is, you know, I, I can sometimes be somebody who's guilty of pushing a little bit too hard and, and, and to my to my detriment, you know, I'm not yeah. there. It's, it's like, okay, I'm, it's too much red line and I'm not being as effective as I should be in, in all aspects of life. And um, so it, it just sort of serves as a good reminder either like, okay, I'm in a good spot, or okay, I get a I get to tap the brakes a little bit and and, and ease off a little bit. And um, I think some people <laughs> don't need technology to tell them that they can just listen to what their body's telling them. And I yeah, benefit from a, a little bit of a nudge on that front.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So do you find that you change your day based on what you see? Because it's first thing in the morning, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean it. You know, sometimes that day I may not have scope to change, but it's like okay, I, I got to make sure I get yeah. tonight, or you know, I got to. I get to, you know, try to move things around and go get out for a walk or make sure I get yeah. uh, like that.
0: I love it. I love it. Using data again, right? Yeah. Data to make decisions, right? And, and to tell the full story. So awesome. Thank you so much for taking this time and for sharing your wisdom. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this is a conversation that we can continue to have. I learned a lot through it. So I appreciate you taking the time out and um, I hope to have more conversations like this with you in the future. I look forward to it, Roz. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you. As we close out this episode today, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production. And we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with requests for future topics, any questions you might have, or just to say hello. We can be found at www.level213.com. That's L-E-V-L. And then the number is 213.com or through LinkedIn. Have a great day.